If you would, grab a Bible, grab your own Bible, grab a pew Bible in front of you and turn to the book of Galatians chapter 2. Uh, as a reminder, we always want to look into God's word together as a church family because uh, the words of God will stick with us and change us far greater than anything a pastor might say, anything clever or creative, that, that God's word actually has the power to change our lives. And so we want to dig into it together. So we're in Galatians chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 19. And the Apostle Paul is writing, and he says this, For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Let's stop there. Do you know anyone who you would consider uh, a workaholic? Don't point any fingers, don't cut any eyes, but do you know anyone who you consider to be a workaholic? Now, what happens is if you take a workaholic on vacation, they just keep finding ways to work. And I say this lovingly as the child of a workaholic. My dad did not know how to take a break. In fact, most days of his life as an adult, he spent, he, he owned his own business and, uh, and he had a workshop down the, down the driveway from our house. And he would wake up in the morning, he would get dressed, he would go down to his shop and he would work all day long. And at the end of the evening, my mom would call him from the landline in the house and say, dinner's ready. And he would walk up the driveway, he would eat dinner with us, and then he'd walk back down to his shop and he'd be down there until at some point I you know, had, hadn't seen him until the next day. And so he worked seven days a week, never took a break. He had a really hard time going on vacation. Now, what we know is that work is not bad. Work is so good. It can be so good and so healthy and so life-giving and so meaningful, but it can become very unhealthy and it become, can become unhealthy in a way that impacts other parts of our lives. And what we know about workaholics is that if you just like tweak their schedule a little bit, like if you just, you know, give them a slightly better schedule or give them two weeks off or, or have them, you know, uh, stop, stop work, try to stop working on this one day, it doesn't actually normally fix anything, that something runs much, much deeper. You might say that they need to give up something or in the words of Paul in Galatians chapter two, they need to die to something. They might need to die to their work. And so for you, it might not be work, which obviously is one of our more socially acceptable addictions in our world, but maybe it's something else that has control over you. And whether you've fully acknowledged it or admitted it or not, it has control over you and you're trying to manage it, but maybe you need to lay it down. And what we'll find is that God always gives more than you lay down. That there are things in your life that they might be good things. They might be good things like work, but when you build your life on them, when you build your life on them, they ultimately will let you down. They'll ultimately fail you. But instead, what if you were to lay them down and trust in what God has for you? That trust in what God 
wants you to build your life on, which is what the book of Galatians is really about. Now, now the, the book of Galatians was authored by a man named Paul. And this early follower of Jesus, uh, what we know about him was he was a Jewish man and he was part of a Jewish group of people known as the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were very good at following the Jewish law. They were very good at keeping the law and they were very passionate about trying to get others to be good at keeping the law as well. And so with that in mind, what he says in verse 19 is incredibly powerful. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. He says that I died to what was before maybe the most important thing in my life. I died to it. And so when we talk about the law, when we, use, we see the law here, we're just talking about the Old Testament rules and regulations that God gave the Jewish people so that they could live in relationship with him. That's all we're talking about here. And he says that through the law, I died to the law. Now, if that's confusing to any of you, it's confusing to me too because it's worded very awkwardly. But all he's saying is that the law actually allowed for this to happen. So when Jesus comes, Jesus says, I came not to abolish the law, not to get rid of it. I came to fulfill it, to complete it. And so if Jesus fulfills the law through his life, death, and resurrection, then Paul does not have to keep fulfilling the law himself. So the law through Jesus makes a way for him to die to it, for him to say this thing that used to give me life, it no longer has to be the thing that gives me life because God has given me something better. He has given me something better in Jesus. He actually goes on to make that very same point. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. I died to the law and I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So whether it's workaholism or or any other addiction or dysfunction we find in our lives, it's often way harder to fix than we wish isn't it? It's harder to fix. It's harder to get rid of. It's harder to find ourselves getting over it. And it's because the sin, the brokenness, the selfishness, the dysfunction in our flesh, in our bodies, in our lives, it runs so deep that just a little tweak here and there might work for a season, but it doesn't actually fix us. We need something else. We need death and resurrection. We need new life. He said the law, it was good. It provided for me and my people. But ultimately, God wanted to give me something better. He wanted to give me life with Jesus. That's what he says. That Actually, if you could underline in the Bibles, underline in the Pew Bibles, it says, Christ lives in me. What a great summary of the Christian life. Christ lives in me. Four beautiful words. He goes on and he says, this life, the life I, I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Pause there. So he's saying that we live by faith in nothing else except for Jesus. We live by faith in the Son of God who did something for me. He died and gave his life for me. That's what we live by. We do not live by the law or anything else 
that we thought may have given us life. We don't live by it because it didn't do something for us. It asked us to do something for it. And so the contrast is we live by faith, not in the law. We live by faith in Jesus who has given his life for us. And then the last thing that he says, I do not set aside the grace of, Christ, grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So let's stop there. So some of the backstory, if you were to go back just a few verses in chapter two, what you would see is that this passage is, is a response to an argument. And it's an argument between uh, Paul and Peter. So, so Paul was an early follower of Jesus. Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples. So you've got these two like heavyweights in the early church arguing over something. And what, what happens is that Peter, just like Paul, was a Jewish man who had previously followed the Jewish law. And then as, as the church spread throughout the Roman world and all these Roman colonies, that they had to figure out what do we do when we have these Jewish people who have become Christians and we have these Gentile people who, who have become Christians? How do we not create like a system of like these Christians are better than these Christians or these Christians are different than these Christians? We just have to live as if we're one. So we're gonna let Jewish Christians be Jewish Christians right alongside of Gentile Christians. We're not gonna expect them to follow the Jewish code and regulations. And then so what Paul says is Peter had been living that way, that that was the way to follow the, the gospel together was to act like we're all the same in Christ. But then some Jewish people came into town and Peter got a little weird. And he was like, well, these Jewish people might think I'm disrespectful or wrong. They might judge me. They might, might do, you know, they might, he became afraid of the way they might treat him. So he started to separate himself from any Gentiles and any Gentile Christians. And Paul said, you hypocrite. You're setting aside the grace of God to make this other thing more important. That when life, when the rubber hits the road, when life gets hard, when it doesn't go as you expected or you're nervous or anxious, you decide to set, you decide to set aside the grace of God and let something else be the most important thing that you make decisions based off of. And they weren't worked up over theology. They were worked over the, the gospel because, because people were being turned off the mission of the church was being compromised because they were compromising and setting aside the grace of God in Christ. These were high stakes that Paul had to address with Peter. And he says, Peter, you set aside the grace of God when things got hard, when life did not go as you expected. We cannot set aside the grace of God. Because he says righteousness cannot be gained through the law, meaning that the law or anything else, it might be good, but it cannot make us right. It cannot make us whole. It cannot lead us to freedom. And there are lots of things in our lives that are good, but cannot make us whole. For Peter and for Paul, it may have been the Jewish law, but I'm curious, what is it for you? If you had to fill in the blank, if righteousness could be gained through what? then Christ died for nothing. It might not be the law for you. It might not be workaholism. But what is it for you that you're trying to get to a good and right and free life through that we are regularly tempted to set aside the grace of Christ because the circumstances of life make us question whether the grace of Christ is convenient enough or powerful enough or meaningful enough or helpful to get us to the life we want 
whether the thing we want is to, to fit in or to get ahead or to get power or to get paid, whatever it is, we struggle to lay things down so that we can fully receive what Jesus has for us. How would you fill in that blank? What is it for you? I brought some visuals for you to help you see what it is in my life. That there are things in my own life that I am tempted to, to believe at a practical level that these are the things that will actually lead to a right and good life. And I may need to lay them down. So to start, just brought a book. This is a commentary on Galatians, but it could be any, any book. I love to learn. I love to know things. I love to read. I love to be considered and seen as smart. But maybe I believe sometimes that this is a better way to a good life than the gospel. And I'm tempted to set aside the gospel and believe that this will actually make me right and whole, that what I know will make me right and whole. Maybe I need to lay that down. I also brought my running shoes. So some of you can identify with this, that sometimes exercise and sports and, and uh, these things can become paths to make us right, to make us whole. And, and we start to transfer our identity into our ability to be uh, fit or uh, to, to hit certain race times or to be successful in sports. And so maybe it's something that I need to lay down. I also have in here, this is my stole. Uh, at the first service, I got to take it off of my robe while I was wearing it, which was a lot of fun. Um, but this is my stole. So, so this, is, this represents me being a pastor and I love being a pastor. I love working with you all. I love getting to lead our staff. I love the ways that I get to help preach and help the word of God come to life. It, it makes my soul happy. But, but for many of us, work can become something that defines us, that we look to to make us right and to make us whole. And I'm, I'm no different. Sometimes my success at work is the thing that I think makes me right and whole. And so maybe it's something that I need to lay down. I have a couple more things, but I'm going to put this bag aside for now. I hope you're thinking what it would be for you, what you would need to put down. I have two more things. No! <laughs> I love shoes and fashion and but maybe sometimes I'm tempted to define myself by what I wear and what others think of me. And, and maybe I need to lay down fashion. And last one. I mean, how many of us went into marriage thinking that marriage would save us? It doesn't, by the way. Those of you who, uh, those of you who are not married, marriage <laughs> does not save you. And your spouse might be wonderful, mine is, but they are not Jesus. And so maybe we need to lay our marriages down. Now, the thing about these things, these aren't bad things, right? The apostle Paul, he says, I died to the law, but he kept living a Jewish life, actually. It's not, it's not that if I lay these things down, I can never do these things. I have to give them up completely. To lay them down means something else, right? To lay down my marriage doesn't mean that I 
leave my marriage and I walk away from my spouse. It means that until the gospel defines me, it will never define my marriage. Think about sports or running or even, let's, let's, it's, it's hockey time, let's talk hockey. To lay hockey down is not to say that I have to quit hockey. It's to say that until the gospel defines me, it won't define hockey for me. That hockey will always be tempted to be God rather than let it serve God. And in the same way, when I think about fashion or shopping or shoes, it's not that you never buy shoes again. It's not that you never try to dress nice, but it's that until I lay this down, until the gospel defines me, I will always be tempted to define myself by what others think of me based on what I wear or drive or own. We lay these things before Jesus because we believe when we lay them down that he gives us so much more in return. The apostle Paul was able to say, I will lay down the thing that matters most to me because I believe God will give me so much more. What is it for you? What do you need to lay down and to trust that God will give you more? Many of us aren't living freely in the gospel. We aren't living free in Christ because there are things that we need to lay down. Where do you need to lay something down and trust that God will always give you more than you lay down? Because the truth is he already has He already has. He gave his son. Jesus laid down his life for us that we might know freedom, that this stuff doesn't have to define us. Whatever it is in your life, it doesn't have to define you, that you can be free from it and that God will continue to bless you. He will continue to lead you and guide you, that you will have every single thing you need for a good and right and free life with him, that he is the one who will make you whole. What do you need to lay down? I want you to, I want to invite you to just like the Apostle Paul, to lay everything down and trust that when you do, you'll be, you'll be receiving everything you need in return. Hear the words of Jesus to his disciples. In Luke chapter nine, Jesus talks to his disciples and he says, whoever wants to be my follower, my disciple, must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? or lose their soul? What good would it be to have all of this stuff and to lose my soul? Friends, we need to be invited to lay down our lives daily. That's what Jesus is calling his followers to. But we also need to be reminded of the gospel daily. It's not just about what we lay down. It's more importantly about what God has laid down for us. So when we lay down everything, we get the most important thing in return. We get life with Christ. Amen.